What's good, good people, and welcome, welcome to the Silly, Nerdy, Sometimes Wordy Podcast. And I'm your host, BK, and this is episode 27, SAG After Strike Ended, finally. And in this week's episode, I'll be talking about the details of the tentative agreement of the SAG After Strike And one particular policy within that agreement I want to focus on and bring some attention to. All right. What's up, everybody? Hope everybody is doing well. I know it's been a while since I've had an episode. I'm happy to be doing another one. Hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving holiday and Black Friday shopping slash cyber shopping. And yeah, so we're going to get right into it. I am not going to have any nerdy notes. So following a unanimous vote, the strike came to an end back on November 8th, 2023 of this year. So the picketing was suspended, stopped, meaning no more striking outside of the various film TV studios across the country. And what happened, what needs to happen now is just the, the ratification votes and the, the deadline for that is Tuesday, December 5th, which is very fast approaching. Once that happens, everything will be complete and official, official. Now, since that November 9th production has resumed back on many TV shows and films, as well as development, writing has been going on, obviously, because the writer's strike ended prior to the SAG strike with the actors. In terms of the TV shows and the films and news about all of that, I'm going to do a separate podcast about that in terms of when certain networks have released, uh, when certain TV shows will be coming back on air, as well as there's been a lot of film news and production has resumed on a lot of films, there's been a lot of schedule changes in terms of pushing films into 2025 and or later in 2024. So I'll be doing another episode on that at a later time. Now, getting into the agreement about the SAC strike, I'm going to talk about some things that came out of that. And I want to start with some headlines. And this comes via the L.A. Times, starting with some of these headlines, one billion dollars in new wages and benefit plan funding. Streaming participation bonus, seven percent general wage increase, 11 percent background actor wage increase, informed consent with compensation for A.I., artificial intelligence and meaningful casting process protections. Now, I'm going to talk about. Some of these things, I'm going to read off some information from this. And first, I want to start off with the the wage increases, of course, increasing the pay for the actors 
one of the main things that they were fighting for so that they can get back to work, get back to making the great TV and films that we all love to see. So the wage minimum for performers, performers uh, as a result of this agreement is going to be, it's a structured increase over the three years. And by the way, the deal is structured in a way similar to the writer's deal, meaning their deal is lasting for three years. It will end in 2026. So wage minimums for performers were increased by 7% effective immediately, and then a 4% increase in 2024 and a 3.5% increase in July 2025. This also is going to be beneficial for the background actors as well. They get a pay increase as well for being for background actors, for stand-ins, photo doubles. They also get increases as well up to as much as 11%. Effective immediately, like I said, they get an uh, increase and then a 4% in year two, 2024, three and a half in year three. So all of the actors get pay increases, especially those everyday actors that are not at the top, top of the list, those alias actors. They all get a pay increase, which is very, very important. And also not mentioned here is with these increases, all everyone will be able to, the majority of them will be able to reach the threshold, make enough money so that they are able to now get health insurance, get benefits for themselves and their families, their kids. So that is very important. Everybody needs health insurance, including actors and actresses. So very happy that they were able to do that. Now, let's move on to the the streaming bonuses slash streaming transparency. This also comes from the via the LA Times. This was a main thing that they're another main thing that they were fighting for because the the way the business has changed over the years, streaming has effective has changed the business because no longer it's just about linear television. We have our different streaming services, whether it's HBO or excuse me, Max, Disney Plus, you know, Paramount Plus and all these other things, streaming services, Netflix. So because TV shows are on there as well. So about the streaming. So performancer performers will be granted a streaming bonus. Uh, they'll still get their residuals. But Per this article from the LA Times, if the program, the show is viewed or movie is viewed 20% of the streaming plastic domestic subscribers within the first 90 days, 25% uh, bonus will go to the newly created streaming payment distribution fund, which will actually go to the actors, the performers. Uh, so that is big. And also the big, the, one of the main things within this is that the, this, the, this agreement requires that the streaming companies 
whether it's Netflix or Amazon Prime or whoever it is, they are now required to share the viewership data information with the SAG Guild as well as the, the Writers Guild, the writers and the actors. However, this information obviously is not going to be made public. So myself and uh, we all here are not going to get to see that information. But the people that need to see it will get to see it. Of course, I would like to see that information, especially if a show is performing really well. I like to see how well it's, it's doing because we don't know the actual details of that. But they will be able to get their bonuses. So no longer will someone get paid, you know, two dollars for an episode when it did really well and they were appeared in 93 episodes and they didn't really get paid that much so that will hopefully never happen again with these changes with these pay increases and as well as sharing the streaming information with the writers guild and the actors guild so depending on how well the show does as well as how many episodes there are of course there can be as little as six episodes sometimes just three on a streaming platform or go up to 8 12 18 so it just it it all depends on those variables as well as how well the show performs domestically and then we'll see how that affects it internationally okay now i want to move on to the ai protections the artificial intelligence that was from what i heard and saw the ai stuff was the main thing was one of the last things that was holding up the negotiations that was like getting it to the finishing finish line that was like one of the last things that were going back and forth on trying to come to some type of agreement on this particular part of the negotiations so this information comes via indiewire.com so this is I have a lot of information here that I was going to read, but pretty much it comes down to consent. People will not, they'll still be able to use AI, but they'll have to get consent from the actual actor or actress. Of course, if the person has passed away, then they'll have to get consent from that uh, person that is no longer with us from their estate. So some representative of the of that family of the person that they want to use, I'm not going to say an actor or actress's name, but someone that unfortunately is no longer with us, they'll have to go and get permission from that estate to in order to use them in a film or TV show, however they choose to use it, however long it's going to be done. Consent they'll have to be able to do that to use their their likeness and whatnot. So the studios will be required to to get that and they'll have to have that information of course in writing as well as compensating the estate or the actor or actress 
if they are, you know, obviously still with us. So, and they have to be as specific as possible in terms of how it's going to be used. Uh, this also includes digital replicas. This also goes with background actors, not just, you know, the main person at the top of the call sheet and every, so everyone, ap everyone after that. So this, uh, and it's also, let's say it even prevents the studios from no longer hiring background actors by using AI instead. And if a fake synthetic performer is created using features belonging to a specific actor, the studio must get the actor's consent. So the basic thing of this is they're, they put in a lot of protections, a lot of guardrails to prevent using actors and actresses voices and likenesses and pictures without them knowing about it. And of course, without them getting paid for it. So I'm very glad that they, they worked that out. There's a lot more detail in it, uh, but this is what I gather. The main thing is getting consent for the actor or actress, as well as consent from the estate. If the purse of the actor is no longer with us. Okay. So those are some of the main things. There are a lot of other things that were in the contract agreement, the tentative agreement, but those are three of the big things that I wanted to focus on. Of course, the information is public information. It's out there. If you want to know more about it, go look it up uh, yourself. Uh, they are actually, it's on the, the SAG uh, website. But anyways, a lot of people have it. Now, moving on, the last thing I want to focus on is a policy that came out of this tentative agreement that I want to bring focus on. And this also involves one of my favorite shows and shows how important this particular policy is and why wasn't it a policy to begin with. And this first, I'm going to talk about this particular policy, uh, and this comes via Allure, the um, magazine outlet. So as a result of this agreement, there is um, there is an uh, inequity and inclusion section of the agreement, which is a hair and makeup subsection that lays out an important long overdue new policy. So I'm going to read out this policy quote, each principal performer shall be given the opportunity to meaningful, meaningfully consult regarding any hair and makeup needs so that the production is prepared to work with the performer, including having appropriate hair and makeup products, equipment. If the producer is unable to provide the qualified hair and makeup personnel to work with the performer, production shall reimburse the performer for the pre-approved cost of obtaining such services. The performer will also be entitled to no less than two hours of compensation for the time spent in such services. End quote. Okay, so... This policy is very important for people of color, men and women. 
And basically this is saying they want to have someone that knows how to do your hair and your makeup on set, whether it be film or TV, commercial, whatever it is, someone that knows how to do your hair and do it correctly, that is experienced with it so that it can be done right and it can be shown right on the project that you're working on. That's not always the case, unfortunately. And this policy brings to mind immediately films like Black Panther, the first one, one and two Wakanda forever, as well as Woman King, because that's those two, those three films. That's why they fought so hard to have not only Ryan, the, the actor, the directors being African-American, but the department heads that are behind the camera doing the hair and makeup right for African-Americans. Because as you know, as I said in episode zero, I am a person of color as well. I am an African-American. So just wanted to get that out there. Now, one of my favorite shows is The Flash. CW's The Flash, the DC Comics superhero show. And unfortunately, the show recently ended after nine seasons, a great nine seasons. Really, really love that show. Great writing, storytelling of the of the show, The Flash. And on the Open Up podcast, which is hosted by Elliot Knight, he had the great Candace Patton on his show months ago. And I came across it. I listened to it. It's a great episode, great show. And I put a link to the podcast description, uh, the, the episode description, if you want to take a listen to the full episode. But I want to bring attention to a conversation that Elliot and Candace had. Of course, Candace, let me read some of her credits. Uh, she's been on NBC's About a Boy, as well as ABC's Grey's Anatomy. However, a lot of us know her from the CW's Flash, and she plays portray the character of Iris Wes Allen. That was Barry's husband, Barry's wife, Barry's meaning the Flash's girlfriend and eventual wife, spoiler alert, on the Flash. she's She was a regular. She's been on the show for all nine seasons. Okay. And she was on the Open Up podcast months ago like I said, hosted by Elliot Knight. And like I said, this relates to the policy that I just talked about, the hair and makeup policy that is now in this agreement. There was a conversation between Elliot and Candace that they were having about this very thing, about hair on TV, uh, on a TV set. And in this conversation, it was very informative and interesting. Candace talked about, you know, wanting to make sure that she had someone that, you know, make sure that she can do her, have someone do her hair correctly. And it was just a interesting 
things that she said that people really don't pay attention, don't really think about, I guess, in terms of film and TV. I guess the normal person wouldn't think about. Um, she said, you know, I need someone to be able to do my hair right. And she's had, from what I've heard, she had uh, on the podcast, she had a lot of, let's say, uh, battles trying to make sure to, to get that right um, in terms of having um, having her hair done correctly uh, by someone who is experienced, experienced and knows how to knows how to do it. Um, but for, but what I want to really focus on that, it, I guess it relates to me in a way, cause I have short hair and the host, uh, Elliot Knight, he's obviously he's hosting these podcasts, but apparently he's also an actor himself. And he had, uh, an unfortunate experience that he talked about on his podcast and he said that for a particular TV show, he needed, he asked the person that was cutting his hair uh, to have a low fade done. Don't touch the top. And he's also said that he spoke to production of the, of the project well in advance of this, told them, to please have someone that knows how to cut my hair. This is what I want done. This is how I want to do it. So he told the people in position to make sure that they have someone in place. And then he also told the person when that time came that was about to cut his hair to do this low fade. Don't touch the top. And what eventually happened was that they shaved his head like they cut all the hair they didn't do the fade like he asked and he had to go on camera and film his project the way it was and so obviously it was done incorrectly and it was out there for all of the world to see his family to see of course I don't know the particular um project the particular tv show film that was done on but the fact that that was done after telling the production as well as the person cutting his hair this is what i want to do and it didn't happen that was unfortunate and so i bring it back to this policy that i just talked about this equity and inclusion section of the agreement agreement the hair and makeup had this policy been in place that is now in effect and now this whole situation that Elliot went through as well as Candace could have been completely avoided if this policy were in place. Of course, times have changed, but this is just one prime example of how things can, how things were. And I'm sure there is plenty more examples of this happening all over the country, all over the world, where someone said, hey, this is what I want to be done, and it was done a completely different way, or someone said they're trained to do this here, but they're really not. And so, yeah, that is, uh, 
that's all I have. That's I just wanted to bring attention to that and give an example of how this policy would have been very helpful and also why I'm happy that this policy is in place moving forward so that nobody will go through that type of experience again on any film or TV set, no matter how big it is or if it's not a blockbuster film or great TV show, any TV show, whether it's a bad one or a great one, your hair is very important. Your hair is, is part of your identity. So having your hair done by someone who knows how to do it and do it correctly and is trained to do it is very much part of the filmmaking process. Okay, I know that was a little heavy, but I wanted to talk about that. I thought it was interesting. And as soon as I saw this policy, uh, I immediately thought about this open up podcast episode. So I wanted to, to bring that up. Okay, that's all I have. And like I said, I'll have future episodes talking about the what's happening now with film and TV. A lot of announcements have happened. Things are back in production. Uh, things have been announced in terms of when shows will be back on and films and whatnot. So I'll be talking about that soon. I have a movie review that I want to get out uh, that I haven't been able to do. Hopefully I will be able to do that. Hope you guys enjoyed this. Please check it out on Spotify and Google and Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Please, please uh, share and check me out. Tell your friends about it. And also thank you for all of those that are still listening, especially for those in those other uh, countries overseas. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Very much appreciated. Happy to be back. Okay. And until next time, we will talk soon.